Today's episode is brought to you by Ardent Cannabis Infusion. Their new Ardent FX is the only all-in-one portable cannabis kitchen where you can decarb, infuse, and bake all in one machine. They're calling it the Easy Bake Ardent. The Ardent requires no prior cannabis cooking, infusion, or baking experience. You get full activation and infusion of THC, CBD, CBG, and other cannabinoids using flour, keef, or concentrate. It works with butter or oil, and it's odorless and mess-free with no cleanup. The new model is four times larger, holding up to an ounce of flour. The RNFX is truly a revolutionary all-in-one activation, infusion, melting, and baking appliance, and Trailblazers can get $30 off by using our special link, blazinbakery.com forward slash ardent. That's blazin, B-L-A-Z-I-N, bakery.com forward slash ardent, A-R-D-E-N-T. And Trailblazers, if you're looking for something to use with your new batch of Ardent Oil, head over to blazonbakery.com and you'll get 20% off all Blazon brand products. That's our original best-selling brownie mix, our easy three-minute microwave version, and our new CBD dog treats featuring proprietary Melabonin Common Blend. Just use code Trailblazon for 20% off. That's T-R-A-I-L-B-L-A-Z-I-N, Trailblazon. For 20% off at blazonbakery.com. You're about to get insider access to cannabis industry experts, entrepreneurs, activists, and living legends. Meet the people who live and blaze this life every day and are about to change the world. Now your host, the founder of Blazin Bakery, New Jersey's first edibles company with over a decade of national advocacy, sales, connections, and adventures behind her. A true trailblazer in cannabis. This is Trailblazing with Tiramisu. Hi friends. I took a short break while we got cannabis legalized in New Jersey. Yay! (laughs) This was a huge win for me personally, but I'm back now and legalization will definitely be discussed in upcoming episodes. Today is my first guest in an area I want to see discussed more in cannabis, technology. There is no part of the industry that it doesn't touch in some way. Today I have Harry Brelsford, an independent network consultant in Seattle. Harry is the founder of SMB Nation, where he serves and mentors over 49,000 members who are managed service providers, MSPs, and SMB technology consultants with events such as webinars, workshops, and multi-day conferences. Harry is the author of 21 books and over 400 articles in technology and business publications, such as Washington CEO, Colorado Business, Alaska Business Monthly, Channel Pro, and Microsoft Certified Professional Magazine. Harry served as Dean in the Graduate School of Technology at Aspen University, where he was awarded a PhD in letters, spent 12 years as an adjunct professor at Seattle Pacific University, where he is now a lead instructor for the MCSEATTP program. As an active entrepreneur, Harry is the force behind the Pocket MBA, Telephone Nation, Cloud Nation, and XPMigrations.com. His latest startup, which we talk about today, is 420 MSP. Everyone should take something from this episode. Friends, please welcome Harry Brelsford. Hi, friends. So today I am here with Harry Brelsford. He runs 420 MSP, which if you don't know what an MSP is, I will let you uh, let him explain that first off. But uh, we're talking about technology today and technology for dispensaries and all the things you need to run a really efficient business. So Harry, why don't you explain to your guys, everyone first, a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I've had a career in technology up here in the Seattle area. So I I always get some feedback from wise minds that have been around. This goes back to the early 90s. So So, people, if you were there. So for the people who are, because they would do this audio too. If you're audio only, he's pointing to a a Windows NT book. That's right. That's right. Good old Windows NT. Thank you for the. Thank you for that. And uh, so, thirty years in uh, the technology field in Seattle, it's been uh, one heck of a ride. And um, the audience, uh, I, I have a community, a traditional community called SMB Nation, that was uh, that we. How, how do we want to say it? Joe, the computer guy, literally, or better known back in the day as Hey You, Hey You, <laughs> come over here and fix my printer. 
Um, that's evolved into what we call managed services providers. And it's still the computer consultant, but they have a slightly different business model where they charge a monthly fee instead of uh, back in the day, we called it, you know, break, fix, printer breaks, here comes hey you to fix the printer and they charge an hour to fix the printer mm -hmm. but uh today that whole audience of technology advisors consultants service providers are called managed services providers and and that's that's kind of where i live in in my day job yeah <laughs> so that's great so and not only that but you have managed service provider uh type clients or you you teach people how to do this but you've now uh tailored it for the cannabis industry, which is why you're doing 420 MSP. So I feel like this is something that's been very lacking. Um, like we don't have HIPAA protection if we're talking about this in a medical sense. So I think dispensary owners, just a lot of them, I mean, there's good operators and there's bad operators, but a lot of them think it's a bit of a free for all. And, but we do have laws in place to protect uh, patient data, even if it's not as great as HIPAA, your driver's license, your social security number, so you really need someone getting in there. And aside from your software, you need to make sure everything else is protected. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what is unique for the needs of someone working in cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, 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 MSP, a technology professional, um, and, and I'll answer that. Let me back up half a step to give the context. What occurred was several years ago, my community uh, and we built up, again, my traditional community, SMB Nation, 60,000 MSPs, our members. And uh, Tara, the, the industry changed, right? We went to cloud computing. So there, there are no servers yep. at, the, at, at the customer site. And so that was devastating. Um, that was a reset to my audience. And so they asked, what's next? And it clearly became apparent that we want to target a growth sector of the economy and cannabis checks off on that so that's that's why i have 420 msp is to motivate them and coach them and, and all that but to, now, now to answer your question um you know really the cannabis opportunity for an msp is the same as a small and medium business opportunity uh, a dispensary is a small business uh, maybe a processor manufacturers a medium business and, and so it's no different than any other business that, that the, the members would serve. However, there are some payloads that make it unique, just like you were alluding to in the healthcare sector. You have HIPAA, you have compliance, right? You have some unique attributes that you wouldn't see with the art studio or some other small business. And so what I've, I've identified in the cannabis sector is uh, security, uh, cybersecurity and physical. And, yeah. and that's a very interesting mix in this industry. Um, compliance, uh, the traceability um, of the, the product going through the food, the supply chain with the yeah. barcodes, and, and then uh, the analytics um, that result at the other end. So that's, you know, the, the, the computer guy is, is going to be interested in capturing that data and getting it up on a dashboard so the dispensary owner and the supply chain can make wise decisions, much, much like the, the, wine, uh, the wineries and the wine supply chain, yeah. right? It drives product development, uh, point of sale, inventory management, um, quality control and assurance. And then, you know, interestingly, uh, one thing that's not on my talking point uh, since I did some work uh, about 18 months ago on a book on this topic. But what we're finding is um, the MSP is also a business advisor because the MSP has started and grown and operated a small business uh, herself. And she is qualified to offer business advice coming from the technical side, not accounting, not legal, but offer business advice on, on how to be a better business person. And that surprised us. Um, well, that the, actually, the, if, if I could stop you for one second, that's something yeah. I did want to mention because, you know, this is my industry. I've been 11 years. I've met some brilliant minds. The innovation, you know, sometimes is astounding, you know, the, especially some things coming out of Israel and the uh, new products that have been created here in America sure. and Canada. So I, I really think there's some brilliant people working in this industry. Oh, and a, oh, absolutely. Some, but something I read in your book, I felt quite a lot of it was very disparaging to uh, first off calling them stoners, 
but to cannabis professionals, such as uh, we're not dealing with the best business minds. Uh, and then there was a thing of people who shouldn't get into it. And it was like people with addiction issues, which I, I don't know if you know, cannabis is not addictive. Uh, and then people whose religious beliefs. I, I mean, I, I think this can pretty much work in most contexts. So uh, yeah, I just saying they're not the best business minds. We'll consult and teach them how to be real business people. I, I what's your what what got you to that conclusion? Well, I would say my field research, um, you know, because I went to the meetups in Seattle, the the cannabis technology meetups. Uh, I I I visit dispensaries. I've been to a test lab, et cetera. Um, now, to your point, there are some brilliant minds in this industry. So, for example, the PhD at the test lab, uh, she's wicked smart, right? Doing yeah. some really good work in epilepsy research and, and that kind of thing. But when you go to any uh, small business, and, and so you raise a valid point, um, I think what I was trying to do there was kind of keep keep the conversation in balance, but you can go to any small business uh, auto repair shop and they they understand automobiles, right? Yeah. Obviously, very good at automobiles and fixing them. But maybe, you know, nah, maybe they're a little bit behind on their QuickBook entries and, and maybe when the tax report was due on the 15th, they're not getting it to the state of Washington until the first of the month. Um, because that's that's not what they wake up thinking, right? A lot of small business yeah. entrepreneurs are excited about what they do. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did want to maybe, yeah, yeah, I probably landed with both feet in the book on that one. But I did want to drive home that, um, you know, my experience has been these people are, are, are not necessarily the best business people. But again, I, I can go down on Main Street in Kingston, Washington and, and find that same behavior in a secular yeah. business, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that comes down to, you know, the old thing of, you know, judging a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb a tree. Uh, I, I do understand that this is not uh, in the wheelhouse of many operators, but then I think it comes down to saying if they have the intelligence to hire a good accountant, a good lawyer, uh, people, I, oh, yeah. cer oh, I, cer yeah. I certainly across the board don't know everything. I, I work with people who have more knowledge than myself, which brings me to, you said, um, you, you need these things for your business, but there was nothing. And this is, you said, it's like any other business. It's really not because like, let's bring up an accountant. Uh, you know, even if you're not plant touching and if you are plant touching, that's a whole nother thing. But you, right. you're, you're subject to different regulations. I mean, I've been walked out of a bank and had my account frozen, even in ancillary, which I am. You know, sometimes this is a major thing. So you need to be a little proactive in protecting yourself. Your lawyer and your accountant should know current cannabis regulations for protections. So I, I do think this is something that maybe needs to be dug on a little deep, deeper to say, this isn't like any other business. You know, we got to, uh, but so what I am curious about is because I, I lack the technical knowledge of this, which is why I wanted to bring you on to pick your brain on, you know, things I can't answer for people. So if you look at uh, some of the big MSPs, AT&T, NTT, what sets, uh, what is an MSP, 420 MSP going to do is set them itself for people to just not go with the mainstream to say, this is how we sure are going to. Siri, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, what are they going to do to say, um, this is different. We're better. You don't want to go with the big guys. We're going to be your cannabis experts. Well, yeah, I can answer that. Um, and and it, it it doesn't, you know, the, the answer surprisingly doesn't concern uh, a lifestyle choice. Um, and, and, and I'll give you a, a case study on that, a guy in an MSP in Colorado Springs. But um, to, to answer your question, small businesses like to do business with small businesses. And, and that's, you know, a, an old paradigm. It goes the other way. The Boeing company in Seattle uses the absolute largest law firm in Seattle, right? Boeing wants to work with a large law firm, not a boutique. So the cannabis industry, uh, in, in my opinion, in the U.S., with the fragmentation, it's still small and medium businesses. And the, the 420 MSP audience is exactly that. They're, uh, the, the, the MSP who's a sole proprietor maybe all the way up to 15 to 20 employees and so you have this maturity matching that really makes a difference. And, and I would encourage uh, the, the, uh, the people in my world to sell into that, that you speak small business, you're fluent in small business, you understand the small business culture, 
And what we've seen in the traditional technology field, because you're right, AT&T has a play. And, and what we've seen is they, it's, it's a bridge too far for AT&T to really be successful in the IT management of a small business. I mean, they run TV ads and they have mailers, they do all that. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a bridge too far. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so what is, what varies? Cause you are running this on a national level, right? It's not just Washington. Yeah. Well, yeah our, we have a mutual friend in Jersey. So what, is there any variations to people's needs based on state to state regulations? Well, that's, that's interesting. So, you know, the, the, the simple answer is, is if you live in an adult uh, use legal state uh, and, and medical, um, you're already here, right? You, you, you can go down the street and solicit business and put yourself in this line of work and make this one of your niches. If you live in a state that has not yet turned legal, um, you're clearly investing forward. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, one individual who bought my book was an MSP in Louisiana. And I appreciate him buying the book, thank you. And uh, I chatted with him because we are a community. So, you know, part of the community is the dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and the, the peer exchange. And he wanted to invest forward. He understands it, it might be a little while before he can put himself in this line of work, but he wanted to be prepared. Have a similar example in Florida, right? Now Florida has CBD and I believe medical, but you have MSPs strategically thinking, I better start today to be prepared in 18 months, two years, yeah. three years to, to really, you know, master this world. And, and back to my friend in Louisiana, um, he wasn't that far off because with the Tuesday elections, Mississippi went medical legal. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's really not that far off in his strategic thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we had a, a lot of states do really well in this last election. It was a proud day for a lot of people. Well, I, I, I had one more point to add about go, you go know, yeah. some of the uniqueness. Um, and so I've got a, uh, a another member in um, Austin, Texas, uh, the gentleman, uh, you know, educated and Went, went, went to University of Texas, MBA program, all that. And mm -hmm. he's involved in a craft brewery and he's specifically focused on the sanitation of the, uh, the tanks and, and that kind of thing to make the beer. And, and, and that mimics and mirrors a lot of the processing and manufacturing in, um, in the cannabis field, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a correlation there. And um, he was wondering how to get involved. Can I get involved? You know, I'm in Texas can I serve a client as a service provider in the state of Colorado? And I said, absolutely. If like, if you're selling tanks or advising on how to engage in sanitation with the, you know, the, the manufacturing equipment we see at the trade shows, I said, there's, there's no restriction on you engaging in that level of commerce across state borders, right? You could get on a plane, go to Colorado and be Mr processor tank guy <laughs> yeah yeah so um so your book is very thorough it's much more lengthy than i thought and it goes pretty in depth uh so if someone was to not have a tech background is it possible for them because this is what we call an ancillary business people always say i want to work in cannabis it's the green rush but they don't want to grow, they don't want to make edibles, they don't want to own a dispensary. So we say you don't have to do those things. There's a million, whatever your career was, whatever your skill set is, there's a job for you in the cannabis industry. So if someone was interested in being an MSP, what level of tech background do they need to have? Could they just hire people under them who have that experience or do they need to learn a bit? Well, all the above. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example. And again, this, some of these are analogies, but it's applicable to any vertical. Cannabis mm -hmm. we view as a vertical. Um, and so there's a, a really good friend who's been very successful as a traditional MSP, so multi-state offices. He's out of Houston, Texas. He came from American Express, first career at American Express over on the sales side, okay? So he's not a technical person. What he did was form a technology company and hire wiser minds on the technical side beneath him. Yeah. And so he's more involved in sales, right? Sales and actually running the business. 
Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he knows how to reboot his computer. You know, <laughs> don't want to be too hard on him. <laughs> yeah, of course. But so it's it's all the above, and and that's actually a mega trend right now. Is you're seeing um, in the the technology field, it's getting a little more mature, and I, and I'm talking in general, right? There's some maturity. Mm-hmm and some consolidation going on with MSPs, um, you are seeing people who are just buying an MSP practice who are not technical. They view it as an investment opportunity. Um, now, that's on the left hand. On the right hand, uh, my friend and yours in New Jersey, uh, the gentleman who is an MSP, um, he is keystroke proficient. Is, is what we would say. And, and I understand he's also got a business hat and, you know, he's been successful, but um, he can hold his own technically, right? And, okay. and so that's the other pathway. And, and Tara, I might, I might offer one other, you know, words of hope. Um, just had this talk the other day. So for example, uh, there's some point of sale um, packages for the, the dispensaries, right? Mm-hmm. And I talked to one of the uh, one, one of the ISVs or the people that have developed a solution and they don't want to have a huge consulting staff, right? They, they want to stick to coding and, and distribute, you know, shipping software, doing what they do best. So they go up on these labor markets. Uh, in, in this case, the labor market's called Field Nation. But, you know, Tara, there's a bunch of these. There's Fiverr, there's um, oh, yeah. Work Market. You yeah. know, there's a handful of labor markets. Mm-hmm. And I might suggest to a newbie, which is where your question kind of started, yeah. if you want to get into this field on the technology side and you're not necessarily technical, just take one bite of the apple, maybe point of sale right? And I'm going to learn this package for this manufacturer, and I'm going to put my resume up on a labor market. And they are, they, they, the point of sale people will say, hey, we have a gig in Michigan. You know, can, can you do a, a five-day gig in Michigan? We're going to pay this much. Yeah. And that's a fantastic way to break into the field is the labor, basically glorified temp yeah. agencies. Hey man. <laughs> I, I've been a graphic designer for hire. Once in a while, I, I had an agent who would just book me if things were slow because I freelanced. So that's a, it's a good option to have. Um, so ha- it seems like something that would have a relatively low startup cost because it just seems if you have the knowledge oh, yeah. base, a little bit of staffing, a little software. Um, what, what, how much does someone need to get started as an MSP? Well, let's talk about that because uh, I, I believe I mentioned it in the book. Um, I, I, I certainly have in some other writings I've done, but all an MSP at the end of the day is going to need is intellectual capital. So you don't really need that much financial capital other than obviously the, the rents due on the first and you know the, the car needs gasoline. I mean, so you, you, you may have to keep your day job until your MSP practice takes off. We talk about that, but to answer your question in terms of the investment capital that's needed, it's really cool. Um, it's, a, it's a lot more akin to people who arrive on these shores with nothing and they buy a, a $500 laptop and they have the intelligence to be a developer or a coder. And, and that's all you need, right? I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't need office space. You know, you probably better have a mobile phone in this day and age. <laughs> Well, well, in that case, you don't even have to show up on our shore. I mean, a lot of our, our coding and things like that are outsourced overseas now as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, um, and, and, you know, well, we've had those inquiries in the 420 community, some of the, uh, some of the offshore um, labor resources in the Philippines and India, and in India in particular, I've got a couple friends in the biz and, um, uh, they are very curious about how can they play in the cannabis space by, you know, doing everything remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have the, the thought, um, I think in Canada where it's federally legal and you have some bigger players and you have, you know, a, a more integrated workflow at the federal level, yeah. I, I think offshoring to India for, enterprise level task and that kind of thing could work. Back to our point about small businesses like small businesses, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it's gonna work with the dispensaries because it's, it's um, a relationship business. 
And, well, and I, you and I have seen that in this field. It is definitely oh, yeah. relationships. <laughs> yeah. I know everyone, everyone knows me, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, yeah. it really is. I call them my can of fam because I see all the same people all the time and I, I, I love it. Yeah. We're one big family. So, uh, but then let me see if, okay. So if people are going overseas or things like that, cannabis, I feel like is much more susceptible to security issues because we lack banking and we lack payment processing most of the time. So we're dealing it more in cryptocurrency and things like that, where yeah. um, it's, you know, it's not as safe as being FDIC insured and, you know, having a visa processing thing or whoever. So is that another reason to kind of stay local because, you know, people who are being extorted or, you know, held ransom for whatever, having their data breached? Oh, yeah, there, there, there's kind of two issues there. Um, the, uh, one would be certainly cybersecurity and, and, you know, the compliance issues about protecting data. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I certainly, well, I'll, I'll take a quick left turn. I haven't joined the loyalty club over here at Agate Dreams, a dispensary near me, because uh, for that reason alone, right? I, I, don't, I don't care to divulge my identity um, mm-hmm. in that realm. And, and once you do that, that becomes a computer record. Well, what if it's hacked, right? Yeah. Well, that, 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 that could cause a potential career. Let's just say I might not make it through the Senate confirmation hearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think cause... I think cybersecurity is a big problem in cannabis and it's also uh, one of the reasons there's a couple, but one of the reasons I don't have a patient card is, and I think a lot of people, especially teachers, government employees, didn't want to go on record as a cannabis user where maybe that could be brought against them at some point, which it shouldn't be, but it could be. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited for adult use is because it's going to allow people with the anonymity of going into a liquor store, presenting your ID and getting your product, and, and you don't have to have all this you know, exposure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I, that, that's a really good analogy. I don't care for you to know that I enjoy this brand of potato vodka. Yes. Right? I, I, I don't care to share that with you. And um, how, how often that, I purchase it too. Is it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, the second part of my answer concerns uh, local payments. And, and you're right, you know, that we, of course, had the banking issues and that would only be more complex with international transactions at, at a certain level. But um, I, I'm from Alaska. Uh, before I moved to Seattle, I went, I go home twice a year and I have a couple cannabis MSPs in my organization up there. And on one of my visits, we literally went to a dispensary and he picked up $25,000 in cash as his payment to start implementing a video security system. And wow. He was kind of asking as a bookkeeper, what, what do I do with this cash? Yeah. And, and, and I said, well, boy, back in the old days, you would have put that under your bed and not told the tax man. I mean, that, that's free money, man. <laughs> well, the bookkeeper. I would never do that. Offered, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, bookkeeper yeah. offered more sound advice. <laughs> well, I, 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 I kid you not, if you go to a cannabis convention, I've, uh, I've seen money laundering services where people are willing to sell you something at a marked up price. And I said, I started talking to the guy, I'm listening. And I'm like, is this fancy money laundering? He's like, no, nah, it's just regular money laundering. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty blatant. But um, yeah, dealing in an all cash business becomes very pl- problematic, which is I'm happy to see a turn, but we certainly don't have the luxury of the amount of options. And then we're also in cannabis, we're paying a green tax. We're having higher processing fees. Um, you know, some, there's banks that have a banking fee just for the luxury of doing, you know, having a bank account, uh, cause it's in cannabis. So everyone thinks it's a liability and we do have things on a federal level. It was the States Act. Now it's the Moore Act that's trying to, or some States proposed, uh, having a state bank, but still it's, you know, we're, we're in this gray area and I do think we need to, Oh yeah. everyone thinks about the products they're going to make, owning a dispensary, customer service, maybe patients' rights. There's a lot of things. Expungement is a big one. You hear a lot. Um, you don't hear yeah. too much on technology. I feel like, and that's why I have, yeah. I have you coming on. I have a, another person you introduced me to is working on a project. I have been talking about implementing blockchain for seed to sale tracking, which needs to happen. I've been hunting for a person yeah. to talk about it and he'll be coming on next. But um, 
yeah, I really want to start bringing more awareness to uh, the, the technology side of cannabis. And, uh, well, and I think that's what creates the opportunity. So probably one of our most successful MSPs and, uh, you know, give me, give me six months. I'm going to put together sort of the ranking of who are the influencers in cannabis technology, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do some more research that, that that's going to take a little while, but I, I could argue, uh, Luis Alvarez out of, uh, California is, is one of them. And, he has a career in providing technology solutions to agriculture and the wine industry. So he's up in Salinas, California, um, and, uh, and, and Monterey right up in there. So mm -hmm. he has domain expertise in particular with the agricultural world and obviously cannabis plays there and it translated very, um, you know, very well. He is able to pivot his business model and, and so, for example, um, it's so new and there's so much opportunity, but one of his uh, areas of expertise has to do with the Internet of Things and all these sensors in terms of soil moisture and, and contamination measurement and that kind of thing. And then another one is drones. Um, and, and so, you know, Tara, what I'm trying to, I'm using too many words, but what I'm really trying to say is this is a blue ocean. I mean, it's yeah. so early in cannabis technology <laughs> well i know they're using drones for two things that I, i'm aware of but you could tell me if there's more one of them is security where people right. plant them on the top of their building and i mean this honestly it annoys me a little bit because if you look at a cvs for example or any whatever your local drugstore is and they have enough products in there kill the whole town and at the end of the night they pull down a little gate and walk away uh they probably have alarms but so when you're talking about cannabis security, the out-of-pocket cost for people is so astronomical. And I do think they need more of it, but I think the onus is falling a little bit too much on they, they want an armed guard on premises. And another one is they plant drones on top of the building. And if someone comes to break in, a drone chases them down the street. It seems a little excessive for a non-addictive, uh, you know, having no deaths from it ever. So I, I do think they're getting a little bit in the, the practical security a little over the top and then lacking in the cybersecurity. And the other implementation of drones I've seen is a company like Ease or someone who does delivery will actually, like Amazon does that, use drones for uh, local deliveries. So is there any other ways they're being implemented besides those two? Well, what Luis told me is is they can be uh, implemented to distribute fertilizer or um, over on the other side of the aisle pesticides in traditional mm -hmm. agriculture. Now, I know pesticides and that that's kind of a four letter word in the, the cannabis grow space. Yeah. But 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 you get the point that you can use that much like a crop duster plane in the old old timey movies, right? Yeah. That you can do that for the crops and. Um, and, and I, I don't have domain expertise on the growth side and, you know, fertilizer and all that, but that, that, that's what he told me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I don't either. That's the one area where I'm, I'm kind of a little under-informed is cultivation. And I was telling people, I don't, I don't like bugs. I don't like, you know, any kind of <laughs> dirt or dirt analogous that you're using for, you know, uh, so yeah, I just leave grow to the experts. But um, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you for a minute again, if you don't mind, because there were, okay. you no. know, I have, I have, a, I'm, I'm really trying to transform this industry. I do love it. And uh, when people say things that I think put in a bad light, I, I don't think it's out of malice. I just think it's about, you know, we need to break some of the stereotypes. So there was one thing in your book that I was not thrilled about. You're talking about different types of employees and you called stoner chick. Um, I've seen this in many cases. Women is better salespeople yeah. than men. One of my employees partakes often in cannabis. That's her decision. But she can go into a cannabis-related business and talk the talk and walk the walk, where a straight dude in the cannabis industry might be viewed with suspicion. Okay, so let oh, me... yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't think that is true. Fair it enough. should be true because <laughs> I, I've been part in the state. I taught one of the first three cannabis uh, courses, a accredited college, and I, I think it's about educating all types of people. And I think anyone could be successful in this industry if you have the right education, the right background. Um, you know, and when we were talking about the illicit market and you were drug dealers, yeah, I don't know if you want to buy drugs off a guy who looks like a cop. That might not be, the stoner chick is probably a safer bet. <laughs> but, you know, now that we're moving into a legitimate market, I, I dream of a world where this is so normalized 
that you could go to your Thanksgiving dinner and instead bring a bottle of wine, you bring a box of fine chocolates. So having the straight white dude, dude or the soccer mom or anyone who you see as your neighbor should be just as likely to be a cannabis consumer, often or not, yeah. as a stoner chick. So I, I just, I don't know if, if I, I understand it's in the book, it's published already, but I would think in future, future education, we should move yeah. towards normalization. No, no, I will. And, and the book will be revised. No, no, I'll I, I tell you, I'll I tell you where I'm coming from with those passages. Um, my okay. writing style, and again, for those that can see the video, You'll, you'll see some technical books I wrote behind me on the bookcase. Uh, I come from the Windows Server era. And please, this and, is not to say anything about the technical side. I think the book was chock full of information. I think it was very well written and informative. And I think there's a lot of value there. I, I'm just picking on some of the things that are my pet peeves. Oh, no, cannabis. no, no. And I can answer that. No, yeah. no. My career as an author has always been to... I, I call it kind of introduce a little Texas twang or a little Texas accent into my technical writing because many technical books are, they're horrible. They're boring, right? And, yeah. and, and so that's what I've always done is I've always had a little bit of fun along the way. Now, that said, um, yeah, I've, I've got right up to the yellow line with my sense of humor in, in, in a few books along the way. And yeah. And and you get your you get your hand slapped. Um and, and it's okay. I'm an author. I mean it's it's it's, it's fine. fine. And honestly, and... I've I've never been <laughs> I've never been offended by a joke in my entire life. Not one, because they're jokes. That's the point. Um but it, I the thing is I didn't know if it totally came off as a joke or if it came off as like this yeah. is some sound advice. <laughs> no, in my own head it did. And and then the other thing I, I would say is I had an employee uh back in my traditional company, SMB Nation, when we were, you know, big and a big deal and around 2010, we had 18 employees and we hired a, a, a woman who freely admitted, you know, she was working through some, some troubles with her uh, alcohol and, and drug use. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she was a sales lady. Oh, and by the way, quite good at sales. You know, really, I mean, just a natural um, and on the phone and all that. But, you know, I, I'm about second chances and helping people out and people have helped me along the way. So we give her a job and we worked really closely with her. But Tara, what, what I was kind of maybe getting at in that passage was she is very open with her challenges and her consumption. But, you know, when it kind of came to like the third time she missed a, a day of work without calling in, Mm -hmm. um, we, we had to pause, uh, and, and suggest, you know, you, you, you might need to kind of sharpen it up a little bit. Um, and that's kind of where I was going is that you have to have a certain degree of professional competence, yeah. um, to, 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 to work in this industry. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not trying to be mean. And, and by the way, she's still a friend to this day. You know what I, I mean? That, that we, we, we worked it out. We yeah. worked it out. And, and I think that's, um, not just exclusive to cannabis. I think there's people in every, oh, no. <laughs> every industry, you, you, you always have your fuck ups, you know, <laughs> the people who are just always late. Maybe they have a drinking problem. Maybe they're just lazy. Maybe, you know, whatever it is, there's, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've hired and fired people who I felt bad firing, but these things happen. Um, so how, how many do you think cannabis, because this seems like a kind of a niche thing where if you're doing yep. this in your state, like, there's so many CBD companies now. Like every time I walk out my door, I meet someone selling oh, no. CBD. But uh, I don't know anyone doing this. Uh, I mean, our mutual friend is not specializing in cannabis, but I think he'd be a perfect person to specialize in cannabis. He's very mm -hmm. knowledgeable. Um, mm -hmm. But so how many people do you think in like, say New Jersey, is this something that's going to become saturated? Or are you kind of really setting yourself up where you can have a very robust business because there's not a lot of people doing it, which is my, the feeling I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. It's the latter. So I, I can give you sort of some historical demographics of one of the um, members, uh, uh, again, an MSP and, mm -hmm. um, and I'm extracting some survey data from the traditional MSP community, but I, I think it applies is that on a per capita basis, uh, one MSP, one individual, will serve 24 small businesses. Wow. Okay, so that's kind of their capacity. 
And, and then in those 24 small businesses, it was historically about 15 desktops. So 15 times 24. And we're talking about a real fleet that you have to manage. And then um, in the old days, you had a server sitting in the corner. And, yeah. and now it's only become more wackadoo in the secular industry with remote work. And, you know, that's that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but so the point talking, is. You're talking about how many endpoints are there are. How many computers. Yeah. There, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's reasonable for one person to serve. So that's where you would extract the math. You know, you could look at the licensing data. Uh, let's, you know, fast forward the movie for New Jersey. Um, you know, you tell me 12, 18 months from now, we're going to have the licenses awarded. So we're going to know the total addressable market. And, and then you can back out as to how many MSPs could reasonably serve that vertical. Um, now that said, I, I would tell you that the MSPs are typically, they have two or three verticals that they serve so that they, they don't just serve one vertical called so cannabis. I, I would just like to clarify for my audience because the word vertical has a very different meaning here. When we talk about a vertical in cannabis, we mean a business that has the complete control of the supply chain and in-house. Oh, grow, okay. They grow, process, and dispense. So we're Fair not enough. talking about vertically integrated uh, facilities. We're yeah. talking about analogous, analogous businesses, correct? Or, yeah, or you know, maybe we should say a sector of the economy, so okay. the, the yeah. cannabis sector. Um, but that same individual is going to be like Luis Alvarez. Luis continues to serve agriculture. He continues to serve as winery clients and his third uh, niche mm -hmm. is, is in the cannabis sector. That's what you're gonna see. I would be very surprised if you saw someone so specialized that they only serve the cannabis sector. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll be proven wrong over the next decade, but <laughs> well, do you, so today I'd be surprised. I always have the entrepreneurial uh, perpetual growth, which maybe is not the best trait, but I, I'm thinking, could you have kind of a tree formation where you have uh, you know, teams of people under you, so they're each, almost or a franchise or whatever, where they're each managing their own 25 people, and then you're just the top of the food chain? Is, or is that yeah. a little too ambitious? No, 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 no. We see that. Um, the, uh, there are MSP traditional franchises with that yeah. sort of multi, you know, it's, it's analogous to multi-level marketing, which, you know, is not a, a necessarily a a favorable term. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, some people structure uh, their, their business that way. The, the other the other take on that would be what we call integrators. And so let's say you have an entrepreneur, right? Present company um, accepted and you, you have an entrepreneur and you say, okay, I'm going to integrate. I'm going to put together a team. You know, point of sale is a specialty. The, the deeper I've gotten into this, these point of sale individuals, that's real expertise. Okay. Cybersecurity is a, um, a, a, a expertise, right? And then, backup and disaster recovery. So what you can do is you can be an integrator and put together these teams uh, oh. that you can't hope to master all of those areas in the cannabis supply chain. Okay. But it's more like you're the conductor of the symphony. Yeah, right. that makes sense. <laughs> and that's kind of what consultants do. Consultants have recommended lawyers and accountants and investors because they're a point person. Cause yeah, so it's adding to your list of services because you can't be all those things. That's a great wow. idea, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I don't want my cardiologist to also be an oncologist. I, I think no. they're two very different, <laughs> distinct fields. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that makes total sense. And then like what kind of guarantees should people be expecting? Um, you know, with time frames, turnarounds, uptime. Uh it's uh is that any different than normal? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's built into the, the the business model. That's a really good question. So earlier in the podcast, I shared with you that today's MSP is yesterday's, hey, you come over and fix the printer, right? Yeah. The computer gal or the computer guy with, with a couple of exceptions. And one of those exceptions is the contractual relationship of an MSP is shared risk. And so what the MSP is saying is I've inventoried your, uh, all of your hardware assets, your technology assets, 
and I'm comfortable saying for a hundred dollars a month per node, I'm going to manage everything, right? We're going to, we're going to lock in like a futures contract in commodities, right? Yes. We're going to lock and business. I, I like that. Okay. hundred a month. That's eh, a little high, but at least I'm locked in. I can budget that. Oh, is it, is and, it really that then, affordable? Like a hundred a month for MSP? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's that, like a no brainer. You have one service call and it's, you know, a few hundred dollars. Um, cause I was wondering, cause I, people don't realize it, but when these cannabis businesses start up, um, anyone plant touching is paying a ridiculous tax rate because of a law called 280E. So, and, and yeah. there's a huge startup investment. They usually have lenders, investors. So it takes them a long time to get in the black and they don't realize the green rush is not, you know, a fountain of money just pours down on you. So it, people, you know, if it's astronomical cost, they have to really cut where they can. But $100 a month seems like kind of a no brainer. And you said that's a little high even. Yeah, and well, and that's on per node. So, so let's let's back up. If the dispensary oh. has uh, five um, PCs, then it would be five hundred a month. Um, so it it, but it's still a bargain because you're locking in. And as part of that, back to your point about downtime, these agreements uh, are backed up by a service level agreement SLA. I was right? going to ask about so, that. It's in the notes. Yeah. So. The, <laughs> The M yeah, the MSP is going to guarantee no more than four hours of downtime, um, 99.59s uptime or 99.9999% uptime a year. Um, and that's the shared risk model, right? That if the MSP breaks the uh, or doesn't adhere to the uptime guarantee or the SLA, mm -hmm. um, there's going to be some refunding mechanism or some credit mechanism back to the cannabis entity you know, that they, 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 they get $10 off next month, right? There's yeah. some mechanism for that. And, and, and Tara, that where it gets more interesting is with the compliance regulations, it's really serious, the uptime, right? Like that video system has to oh, stay yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> no good if it's only up half the time, for sure. Um, yeah. So that, it seems like a really good service for someone to seriously consider right out the gate, you know, uh, there's certain things you, when, all right, when, when we're a little bit more flush, we'll bring that aspect in. But this seems the second you're setting up your, you know, your network, getting your whatever tracking software you're using off the ground, it seems like this should be one of the first things you bring on board. So uh, I, I just want to address that too, because I, I do, I'm sure there's tons of people who would love to be in an MSP listening. I know probably more so there's a lot of people who want to own a dispensary or run a cannabis business who would be the client. Um, so you do have any clients yourself or you just, you teach people how to, uh, run these businesses? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do not. Um, I have not what they call carried the bag since probably 2010. I, I was day to day as a system engineer and all that. And then my community SMB nation became bigger than the, that opportunity and it, consume my time and you know we had a monthly magazine and our peak year we did 44 events so what we are is a community where I'm hopefully an evangelist to motivate people to be the best they can and I make money by having workshops and uh, selling books and, and events back when we had events. Yeah, um, and, and then the sponsors will pay for a webinar right so you can imagine uh, I'm just looking at one in the industry. Let's take Seattle-based uh, Dauntless is a uh, seed-to-sale um, independent software vendor or developer. Um, seed-to-sale would be the analogous to uh, ERP um, in a traditional industry. And so Dauntless is going to be interested in doing a webinar to the 420 MSP community because Dauntless wants MSPs to take this software solution and uh, sell it and implement it and maintain it and maybe even help with feedback in terms of the development cycle. So that's how we make money in, in the community. Um, the, the other thing we'll be doing in 2021, and by the way, communities are a lot of fun. Every yeah. industry has a fun community. Um, yes. and the events and so on. <laughs> so like my Camma Canna fam, uh, you guys probably have some kind of MSP little insider, what, what your community is called, I'd imagine. 
or not. Yeah, 420 MSP and 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 we uh we'll we'll be back on the road, you know, when when we're allowed to be, we'll do little nah. meetups and beer summits. That beer summit, I like that. Yes. Oh my god, I miss yeah. conventions, I think the most of anything. Uh we'll travel in general, just getting on a plane and oh, so tired of Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> but uh well, the, you know, soon hopefully everyone's talking the second wave thing now. I'm like, I oh, I don't want to care. I should care. But so well, the the or, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was I was going to, I mean, I think everyone's COVIDed out. I was going to bring it back to, uh, you know, the topic. So as I think regulations and needs change rapidly in cannabis, because it's just a nascent industry, as opposed to something that's very well established, and, you know, we have protocols inside and out. Um, how are people, MSPs, kind of future-proofing these businesses so they can evolve and, you know, not be constantly redoing everything? And so... Well, yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. One of the areas of research I'm involved in, again, on the other side of the aisle, traditional technology, is uh, the uptick um, from the, the pandemic, uh, you know, economy. We're seeing a real uptick in the purchase of extended warranties, or in, in my line of work over there, it's called third-party maintenance. And what that means is, um, by analogy, it's real simple, and 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 I'm living and breathing this. I have a uh, a VW Golf, okay, and it's okay. a 2017. And maybe if I had a super good year, I'd say I'm gonna sell that and go buy a Tesla, right? I I, I want to reward myself. Yeah. Then you hit a recession, and that's where, as a car owner, and and I'm living and breathing this. I'm going to start to look at an extended warranty. Now that the warranties are starting to run out on me, if you didn't oh. off, I need to extend the life of that asset another couple of years be, be, because, you know, the last six months, you know, I think everybody has had better times. So 2020 has been a rough year. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Sure. People relate. And, and that's the, well, and that's the future proofing that, um, that, an MSP can do on the technology side to the, the cannabis supply chain. So it's not just extended warranties, but a lot of times you can build into that $100 a month, you can build in a 36-month hardware refresh. So every 36 months, we come in and we grab all the cash registers and the laptops, you know, probably do it on a, what's the slow day in the cannabis industry, like a Tuesday? You, you're uh, certainly not going to do it on a Friday, Saturday. <laughs> I would say the slowest day is probably 421. Yeah. yeah. Nothing happens on 421. <laughs> yeah. But you get the point. You're, you're going to come in and do a hardware refresh and you build that into the technology agreement and and that's how we've become more sophisticated and that's how we future proof the business and then what's cool is it, it's almost like an implicit leasing um that the the dispensary owner doesn't get hit with this twelve thousand dollar bill to replace all the laptops and point of sale and cameras yeah. but rather we can do it we can amortize it into the hundred a month right that you're, you're implicitly paying forward yeah Oh, that's a really great feature for sure. And uh, yep. sim similar things in software as I, I feel like the RFDI ta RFID tags we're using now are absolutely terrible. They are uh, high cost. They're not really effective. Tons of product is still going out the back door. And, and when people say, well, when you're having a $400 ounce, you put an RFID tag on it. What difference does it make? Maybe it doesn't. What happens when you're selling, you know, a $5 brownie? Uh, you know, it's that now you're now you're cutting into 10% into your margin, possibly. I'm not sure what their going rate is right now. Um, but I, I think we definitely need something better than that. So uh, what about, and, and that's yeah. what all our current software is based around. So how about things like software when that finally gets revised? A similar situation? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the vast majority of the software today is, is uh, shifted over to the cloud paradigm. So, you know, listeners, you, me, we remember where every, you know, QuickBooks, every year you had to go buy QuickBooks 2007. Then you had to buy QuickBooks 2008. Those were discrete, you know, full, what we called FPP, fully packaged product um, sold on the shelf. And then it all pivoted to cloud. And so now, you don't have uh, QuickBooks 2020 and QuickBooks 
2021, you have QuickBooks and it's dynamically updated at night, right? Mm -hmm. So all these, the, the increased features and functionality and then the patches and the bug fixes, that happens uh, to, uh, on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. and um, it's cloud. And then you come in on Monday and you have new features and functionality. And we are seeing that in the cannabis uh, technology supply chain, that yeah. it's heavily cloud-based. I'm wondering, and this is something I want to talk to, uh, you know, James Tuff from Go Giant, we were saying before he's coming on. I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm wondering if it's going to be Netflix and Blockbuster or the RFID RFID tag people say like, no, this is how we do it, you know, uh, and they fight their way and they get crushed by a, a better, or if they, you know, join or die, if they actually take whatever new system is on and you can use your, if it's uh, MJ freeway, if it's Cova, whatever your tracking software is, if they're going to evolve with the industry. So um, I think that's going to be a big differentiator if people do have to completely re recreate their systems. Oh yeah. 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 No, the, you know, Rip and replace is never fun in any technology scenario. It's expensive. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen people quit companies when there was a migration. You know, yeah. I, I mean, literally, like that back in my early career in a financial institution when I was learning technology, and and uh, one individual literally took early retirement. It's like, uh, uh, nope, nope, not going through another migration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's not fun. <clears throat> Even just with Not. websites, times I've had to change e-commerce platforms, it's just such a headache. Like, and, and that's just me doing it myself, and it's not fun. <laughs> but, but you know, there's, there's, well, there's another side of the coin um, yeah. about that technology dynamic is that uh, I call it wholly shifting supply curves in one of my other um, writings that, you know, and in, in we have both seen it. There, there, there just comes this time in uh, a geologic epoch where there's like this huge invention or paradigm shift and it overnight changes everything. And a really good example would be remote work with Zoom, right? Oh, All of yeah. a sudden, in a matter of weeks, we went from driving to a desk or kids getting on the yellow bus to go to school and within, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the tech industry. I'm going to say within, it felt like weeks, it was probably a fiscal quarter, but we pivoted to Zoom. And, yeah. and I mean, we did it fairly well. And that's what you're going to see is, you know, that's what makes technology so risky and rewarding is just yeah. overnight the supply ch uh, supply curve in economics can shift. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Few few people have done better than Zoom. I think they may have started COVID because uh, it really changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but I also do think, I mean, in the beginning, we my family had a Zoom birthday for everyone. We were doing happy hours. Now it's becoming oh, I something I dread. Like, not, not that I'm dreading talking to you right now, but all the meetings I have to take, like I miss seeing humans. I miss doing podcasts. I mean, we wouldn't have because you're in Seattle, but now I have people in New Jersey who are like, oh, can we just do a Zoom podcast? I'm like, I don't want to. I want the energy of sitting next to someone. I think you laugh more. I think it's more fun. Um, you know, so when you want to talk to someone on the other side of the country, it's a great tool to have at your disposal. But I think people are becoming overly dependent on it and we're becoming isolated. So that's kind of... Well, back to a point you raised earlier about this being a relationship business. Yeah. Um, it people want to 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 interact with people, right? I yeah. mean, I I, I don't want to have I don't want to have Zoom rear in by sitting oh. eight hours a day in front of a laptop camera. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'm in this awkward position, so my products are behind me and my name. Like it's it's not even fun. Like it's not even like I'm just hunched over at my desk, like being all comfortable in my pajamas. So uh, yeah, I do my makeup and I, I do my makeup and I don't leave the house. It's uh, it's a little it gets old. <laughs> well, I'll have you know, I groomed I groomed today, especially for 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 being a, a guest on your show. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I put on pants because I've learned my Zoom lesson a few times where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna Bye. stay where I am. <laughs> but yes. <coughs> So um, this has been really great, Harry. Thank you. I think we've got a lot of good information out there. Um, people should definitely check out your book. This is a great ancillary industry to get into. There's going to be a demand for it. It has a low startup yep. cost. And uh, so check that out. And the, I will 
plug in in the beginning all about you, but let people know where they can find you, your social, your podcast, that, all the great stuff you do. On LinkedIn and Facebook, it's my given name, Harry Brelsford. And then uh, on social for our purposes today, it would be you know, Twitter and um, some of the group pages on, on both LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, 420 MSP, so at 420 MSP would be the best reference for today's purposes. Awesome. I, I, I also have individual accounts. You're welcome to follow my musings of bike riding and, you know, fall leaves and pumpkins, but that's, that's not quite why we were here today. <laughs> I love pumpkins though. I'm a big, uh, listeners will know I'm a big horror and Halloween fan. And what about if they want to buy your book? Where's that available? Yeah. So that's over at 420 MSP. Okay, very cool. MSP. And if you sign up for the community, you get an instant discount. Excellent. Very good. All right, Harry, thank you so much. And uh, let's do this again sometime. All righty. Okay. All right, Take bye. care. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trailblazing with Taramisu. Trailblazers, if you could take one moment and go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and rate and leave a review, it really helps other cannabis supporters find us, and it would mean the world to me. We have new episodes every week, so make sure you're subscribed so you're always getting the latest Trailblazing content. I would love to connect, and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Blazin Bakery. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N Bakery. Check out BlazinBakery.com for awesome cannabis products, including our new CBD pet line, Blazin Barkery, a company I founded with my dog, Diablo. As always, my name is Tara Masu. Love you all and keep on trailblazing.